Hi, this is Toby Cypress, artist of the White Suits. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. And just remember, revenge is best served in a white suit. And your acoustics are much different in the kitchen than they are upstairs. Well, yeah, the ceiling is higher, and yep. I'm not surrounded by books, so. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. That's the best case scenario, to be surrounded by book. Yes. Gotta have the book. And we read some book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some book I wish wasn't read, but you know. Yeah, my, my head is still. I, I did struggle to the end of it before we started tonight. We'll get there. Yeah, no, I know. Don't bury the. But uh, my man Jason's kind of t- uh, quiet. What's going on? Uh, no, I'm just uh, trying to figure out uh, how I might contribute to that that uh, conversation. Did you read it? You could vomit. <laughs> yes, I read it. Yeah, did read it. Okay. yeah. yeah. I, it's I guess we'll get into it when we get into it. But I, I don't think I had the visceral reaction you two did because I think I probably expected a lot less. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess it's it's it's. I like it when we all come at things differently. Like if it, like if it's a character that obviously Vince is extremely attached to, then. Um, we might, Jason and I may not have the uh, the affinity for it or, or not be so involved. And, and they're the characters that, of course, I consider sacred and, and don't want to see any other way. But it, it's, in this particular instance, it's, it's since Jason has been on record as saying that he, he's not a real big fan of the character, I, I can... But I'm not. You know, in this, I don't even think it has anything to do with the character. I don't either. This, I don't. This, I agree with this you. What could have been written about anybody? Yeah. And it's it's the anti life equation version of the Krabby Patty in SpongeBob. The Krabby Krabby Patty is universal good. No one can eat a Krabby Patty without appreciating it. I think this book is a universal turd. Yeah. He, he, the, the, I mean, and I'm the biggest apologist for this person. Yes. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Have we you forgotten can't. the format of the show? We have. We well, have. Yeah, we have. Well, you know, it's visceral. It's it's of the moment. And this is the moment that you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 613, on location in Delaware. I'm Vince B. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, The V stands for vacation. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And uh, this is the Cinema Verite episode of 11 O'Clock Comics. And, of course, I am Norton Sinclair. But you're not Norton Sinclair. No way you're Jason Wood, everybody. And there's a place, a mythical place, where y'all can get good comics and bad comics. Proof is in the pudding. You can get good and bad comics, but one thing is for absolutely certain that you're going to play the the lowest amount possible for comics. And that is, of course, Discount Comic Book Service dcbservice.com get your books, get them fast, get them right to your door for a pittance a fraction of what everybody's paying run down that list one more time from Scout Comics, it's Planet Caravan number one, 
with art by Stefano Cardoselli will cost you $2.19. DC's taking another stab at Wildcats. Hopefully this one will stick. This is by Warren Ellis and Ramon Villalobos. $1.99 cover price and certainly not least, even though it is last, it's Coffin Bound, number one from Image. New series written by Dan Waters with art by Danny. $3.99 cover price. You're taking it home for a dollar ninety nine. That's half of what everybody else is paying. Go to DCBService.com because you'll save a ton of money. It's just a smart thing to do. It's true. You are so right. Yes. It's that time for the drink roll call. And by all means, I mean you are on vacation, so I, I, I can't wait to find out what kind of water Delaware sells. No, I'm drinking actually the Dogfish Head sixty minute IPA. Because I love it so much. And Dogfish Head's like right here. So I grabbed some. Love it. it. Just for this purpose, for this very purpose, I grabbed some. Because I figured after the scarring my soul received this <laughs> afternoon, that, that I would need yeah. some kind of tonic to to smooth it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you, Jason? Yeah, I got something special. I am drinking from the Polar Vintner. I'm drinking ruby red grapefruit seltzer. Polar's good stuff. I do like the grapefruits. Good stuff. Yes. David? And, and, and David, pick us up. Um, well, uh, like Vince, because he needed this, I picked up a bottle of wine tonight, special for this evening. Um, it is uh, from California. It's line 39 because I feel like I needed to do 39 lines to enjoy the comic we are going to be talking about soon. Um, There's no rule that we have to talk about this comic at all, much less like for... No, we no. kind of do because Vince yeah. Vince made it oh, publicly as far as Facebook uh, groups I guess. go. I mean, but it's just... I, no, I we... I, spending a lot of time eviscerating comic we all universally despise, this doesn't seem like a great way to pick ourselves up but that's cool no but that's what if, if we do it at the top then we because i have a bunch of stuff that i thoroughly enjoyed okay cool. um so yeah i don't know how long we'll get into yesterday's like i guess what i'm release, saying is it, yeah, i think when it's bad it doesn't need a thorough dissection no no and i, I agree with you and I, I and we try we try not to we don't we don't like focusing on the negatives but on on the on the flip side there are we all there, there are creators, more importantly than characters, there are creators that, that we're all um, fans of or, or look up to and respect. And when we always talk about when they please us and um, when, I guess, we're kind of let down, just, just to keep things on an even keel. Again, we're not, we're not here to bash and we're not, we're not, we're, we're not inviting anybody to, to dogpile on. These are just our reactions based on something we read. So I think we've been doing this long enough where people know that we're not just out to be out and out dicks because we read something we didn't like. There's no need to be mean, but right. as Eric Larson recently said on his Twitter, he asks, do you want the beautiful lie or do you want the ugly truth? I guess you could amend it with or nothing at all. And far beyond us to not say anything at all, but I'm just my part of the discussion is just going to be the ugly truth. I I was scarred by it. It's so bad. To the point where I don't ever think I've said this on the show. 
but I, I found it so uninteresting and, and, and hackneyed that I would like my money back. Huh. Really? I, I, I mean, well, okay. I, I think it's, I, I thought it was an absolute waste of paper. Or are we going to actually? Yes, yeah, so now what we might as well reveal what, what it is we are referring to. Okay. We are, of course, uh, alluding to a book that came out this week. Um, Under the DC the, Black Label imprint. Yeah, yeah. DC's Black Label, it is uh, the work by a couple of giants. One one Colossus and one giant in, in the making. But it, it was um, written by Frank Miller and uh, art by John Romita Jr., and it's credit to story and art by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. And I'm thinking there may have been some kind of collaboration here, yeah. though I doubt it. Um, Danny Mickey did the inks. And, of course, Alex Sinclair, who has been working with Miller on a bunch of stuff of late, uh, did the color. It is called Superman Year One. You left and, out the letterer. Yes, of course. John Workman did the letterer. Yes. Which is probably the best part of the book. Yeah. To me. <laughs> Anyway, and there's a lot of letters in this thing. There is a lot. It's a chatty bitch. Of it is. And it's a redundantly chatty bitch because the same thing is said over and over and over again, sometimes on the same page. It's it's the retelling or the reimagining of, of Superman's origin for um, for this current generation. And uh, it, I just thought it's a massive, massive fail. How do you take the greatest origin in comics, the most important origin in comics, and make it boring and uninteresting. This was boring, uninteresting. I, I found no redeeming value in this book at all. I can't even say the art was nice. Yeah, It's not, to my eyes. We have a... For those listening out there, we have a Slack channel for a certain premium set of our patrons, and we talk it up in there all day about comics and whatever else people feel like talking about and this book came up there and my description and that's really how i feel about it which is why well first of all um as as i think it's important to establish that the uh opposite of love is not hate it's apathy yeah Mm -hmm. and i think there have been comics i've read that i've hated like dog wolverine things like that um most things by charles hole uh but but (laughs) But honestly, like this book was apathy. Like I read it and I described it to the got to the to the patrons. I said it was um, it was incredibly disappointing in its in its ordinary in how ordinary it was. Like it it just was. I I didn't know what it was going to be, but I figured, and I didn't think it was going to be great because honestly, unlike Vince, I I haven't found Frank Miller to be a great storyteller in a long long time. Um, but I did think that. It would be interesting. Like I thought, that his last, like his Dark Knight, wasn't good, but I thought it was interesting. Like I found it, like I found it interesting in 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 its in its failures, in my opinion. But but this was not interesting to me at all. And like you said, it's also JR JRGR on art. And there was a time where, I mean, I I would have viewed JRGR as one of the best in the biz, uh, at least in terms of his importance. And just nothing about this book felt felt good and and but yet it, it it's not it, it, the reason i'm so i guess disinterested in a long dissection of it is that i i just i don't even think it's worth dissecting i think it was just was mundane it was just blah and i thought why do we need another 
Superman origin story, uh, like, and then if we're going to get that for the twenty seven thousandth time, like Frank Miller at this point in his career wants to tell that story, really? Like, I thought it was going to be something wild and out there, just totally crazy, but it wasn't. Yeah. And the thing, well, it is noteworthy. It, there is one notable aspect to the book, um, and unfortunately, it, it's in the category of infamy. I think this was the single worst Superman story. I have at least a third of what is to be a Superman story. This single issue was the absolute worst Superman story I've read by a long shot. I mean, I mean, we've suffered through a lot of bad Superman books, but I think this single issue was pretty much the, the worst of the worst. It's, wow. it's for, for all the reasons that you've said, it's boring. It's uninteresting. Um, he he takes beloved characters and puts them in very very dire circumstances. Like Lana Lang is is almost raped in this book. That, that's supposed to be interesting. Yeah, We're supposed you, you're using first of all you're that. using rape. Yeah, no. You when was the last time we saw rape used in a comic? That didn't go down very well either, right? It's just it, I think it's 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 a a, a thing that hacks glom on to to uh, attract the attention of or, or the participation of the reader oh this woman almost got raped that's horrible and it is horrible but when you use it in a superman story to someone we've known forever and and we know her as a character because she's been around forever so let's take this beloved character who is very closely tied to one of our favorite characters well two out of three of us one of our favorite characters clark kent and we'll we'll put her in a situation that would be one of the absolute worst things to ever happen to a human being, and it's just it's the work of a hack. Like if someone took this to an editor, an unpublished writer took this to an editor, they would laugh at this person. That's how bad this issue is. But because it's Frank Miller, he gets a pass. And I I love Frank, and I've 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 gone to the the pulpit preaching the the uh, the glories of his work, even when. I knew myself that a lot of them didn't deserve all of the preaching that I've been giving them, but there's still that germ of brilliance that I even even when DK three I thought I thought it was great, but yes, there were with some reservations, right? I even like Holy Terror. This I can't even I can't even go to bat for this book because it's that bad. Why is it that bad? Well, the the kids do not act like normal kids. I know no children that act like the children in this book. <laughs> it, it's it's like a person from another planet came down and just spent a week on Earth and 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 tried to write a book or write a story about Earth children. The, the children don't act like this. Um, they don't speak like this. Uh, the, the scene where the goth kid tries to stab Clark in the hand is just so out of the blue and just strange that it just doesn't fit and and lynch does stuff out of the blue and strange but they make some kind of conceptual sense in in terms of the big picture this was just a weird way to show that clark was pretty much in, invulnerable like just to have a kid try and stab him in, in in the hand and getting on the subject of the kids also love john Rita jr but i think he needs to go back and take a refresher course on how to draw children especially young children because it looks like you know Muppets on Parade they don't look like like real children even even shorthand versions are real children it's just I, I don't want to just vomit 
on this book for 10 minutes because I really don't think it's worth it. But when it, I guess this is a case of when some of our sacred cows reveal the fact to us that they are human beings and are fallible, it kind of it kind of hurts, right? I mean, big picture, this is a work of entertainment. It it, it didn't ruin my childhood. It's not going to destroy my future. It soured my day to a certain extent reading this because I expected something good. I expected some kind of Frank Miller magic, you know, that that would at least make me say, "Ah, it's yeah, it's pretty good. It's it, it's in the, the Miller zone. Like it's weird and 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 quirky, but you know, Frank still got it." I don't know. After reading this, I'm just thinking, DC made a big gamble on this book. And Did they? I, well, it see when you got a guy named Bendis in charge of your Superman titles, and and Miller comes along and says, "No, no, no, no." Krypton wasn't destroyed by Rogel Czar. That's not how it worked. This mm. is how it worked. Like this, so this is black label, though. I mean, n- nobody's reading this. And and trust, I don't think I'm not. This is not. I, I'm reading this. I read this in the same way I did All Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. Yeah, I don't. Exactly. This is not. This is not Burns reboot. This is not. Um, this is not Wade's birthright. Nobody no is. World. Johns is not. You know, taking this and and taking bits and pieces of Superman's various origins over the years and, and making a new version. This is this is Frank telling a Superman story. Clark's never enlisted in the Navy. There's just, there's things that... Uh, okay. My point, then why bother? Well, because well, it's Frank bother? Miller. Like, it's no, still, it's still yeah, Frank Miller. Why bother? I mean, DC has a long history of doing this in Elseworlds. I mean, that, that, some of the best stories ever are stories that aren't in continuity DC. It's one of their hallmarks. It's one of the things that makes them different from Marvel. So th- it's not unusual for them to do this. It's just that this is a black label, meaning it's supposed to be edgier for whatever that means. And, and let's be honest, black label so far has been a colossal failure for DC uh, on, on, in every level, commercially and, and, and I think um, artistically. But, but uh, I, I don't really think there's a single person that picked this up that, that uh, viewed this as in any way a threat or a possible enhancement to what Bendis is doing. No, I mean, it's, just, it's out of continuity. It, but it just breeds confusion. I, I'm not to us, the longtime readers, but someone coming into the to the art form, and I know there's not many of those. But someone coming in will see that that Superman Year One thing that uh, JMS did a couple years ago. Oh, the Earth two one, of them, yeah. right? There, there were Earth two volumes one, of, yeah. of Superman Earth One. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, that was a retelling, but it, at least but it, it was but something. Even that but was still it was still self-contained, right? Yeah, that, that whatever you know, Hoodie book. Superman was never. That that's never shown up anywhere else. So this is no. I don't I don't see whatever Frank's this isn't I don't think this is Earth fifty three. I, I think this is just It's a weird vanity project that just it just I think it fails on all levels. And, and, I agree. and yeah, it's it, it 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 hurt my heart to to read this. It actually did. I'm and, I'm sorry uh, that it affected you so much. I I guess what I was saying at the beginning is that I read it and thought, uh but I don't know that I ex- much different. I, I I thought I might not like it, but at least smirk and say, "Well, it's Frank being Frank." But this wasn't really that to me. This was more like I don't know. It was I, yeah. I don't even like for its failings. I don't think it read like something like Frank Miller. If you think uh, you're not in this camp, but if if you're like David and I, think that Frank is very capable of failing. At least I give him credit for when he fails. He fails because he's doing something out there. He's trying to make it his own. This was just the opposite, so I don't know what to make of it. I don't like. I almost yeah. wouldn't believe Frank wrote it. 
Yeah, but I was know, wondering if like, Frank's like, just like, oh man, I just you know we gonna give Frank another paycheck, and he's like, yeah, all right, I need some matters. Yeah, yeah, but the, you know, and it's just it, it's so strange. Like Pa Kent comes in from finding Clark or the baby in the field. And he's like, hey, Ma, yeah, look what we I, found. Found I found something in the field, dropped straight out of the sky. And Ma's like, ooh, heaven sent. And like she, she immediately believes him. What if your your wife came home and said, I found a baby in the row? You'd be like, what the hell? This was, this was one of my biggest issues with this, with this issue, with this story, is that, you know, back in the, back in the 30s, if, you know, two people who live on a farm, uh, you know, you get snowed in for a winter and nobody sees you for a couple months it's it's easier to to shrug it off and go yeah okay you know they gave birth at home and now they have a baby and i didn't even know she was pregnant but we haven't seen her in a while so now you can't do that in this day and age but but frank tried to make their their dialogue like the conversations they had it was almost he it, it was it was forced to be this like aw shucks gosh darn type phrasing and it just it it hurt my ears, and I could not. I, nobody. I don't. I don't know when this is supposed to be because nobody. Ta- and, and the teacher. Yes, my darlings, my blossoms, my dumplings. It's like I don't like everything like is that. just so forced, and I wasn't sure what where, where we were going with it. And if, if we just want, it was it was like over sixty pages of I don't know. What I just if if it's Superman's story and you want to tell his origin, okay, that's cool, and and you're you're adding some little things here and there, and I get it, you know, if if this if these high school kids broke into the Lang's house and Lana was threatened, you know, that then Clark could maybe react and 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 save her, but he might not go to such an extreme where he'd want to hurt the kids, and here because they were attempting to rape her, now that's a reason for Clark to actually get a little bit rougher than he normally would if they were, you know, putting someone's pigtails in ink. And this was a... There there was just... The one thing I appreciate is that it actually... It felt like Pa Kent, and in the sense where he was talking to Clark and he was telling Clark, you know, how he how he should behave in the world and what he can expect from the world. And, you know, don't be a doormat. You, you can definitely take your hits and take your lumps, but it's okay to push back a little bit. Whereas, you know, if Kevin Costner, Pa Kent from Man of Steel, who, you know, wanted, didn't care if other kids were killed. He did. He wanted to keep his son safe and, you know, just, just protect your secret more than anything else. And this, this, there is a comic book version of Pa Kent. For the most part, we we got that here, but it was still shown and told in in just the weirdest way imaginable. And I just I I'm I'm a sucker. And you know we we can probably get into the Flash later. But there there are certain origins where you know I'm I'm cool with tweaks. And if you want to add things to it, and um, you want to kind of revamp it. For 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 different generation for modern or age, it's I'll roll with the punches. I'm cool with that, but there was nothing really here that you know we were introduced to a bunch of school kids that we never knew. You know, Clark hung out with at school, which is fine, but I just it was in it's in this. I don't I don't know when this is, and and that's not helping because I just. 
And and like you pointed out in, in the Slack, it's like, who, who's telling the story? Who's narrating no, no, this? Because no, I'm like, like I, it's a bird's eye view. It, but it doesn't make sense. Like, maybe why it's Keelix. I don't know. I just, I, but the thing that the, the, the big, the whole thing feels like it was written by someone who is very disconnected with reality. Yeah. Like Which, we're, you know. We're, we're talking about Smallville, right? Bible Belt. Midwest, okay? Not a whole lot of money in these areas, yet the school has enough plastic helmets for all these kids. All the kids. Like, the kids in the, when they're doing the space thing, and they're putting the plastic helmets on, like, they have helmets for every child. Like, where? Even the, the best school districts don't have this kind of resources it just doesn't make sense and the 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 clark fixes the helmet for the for, for mickey, the, for the mickey? Fat kid. yeah and, and he he speaks like crazy he's, english be okay I'm yeah okay. yeah he's, he's like, a little stunted what's going on here it just feels like a caricature of reality and that's what comics and that's what any kind of creative work is it's a caricature of reality but it's it's a really skewed, bizarre caricature of reality, and I don't. I'm not very comfortable with this reality in this book. It's just weird, just for the sake of being weird. Like it makes no sense to me, and I don't see anyone in the in the industry who's already um, aware of the magic of comics or outside of the industry. How could you read this and come away from it thinking, "Yeah, that was good"? And there's a. I mean, you think I'm an apologist in the Frank Miller Facebook group? They're like, yeah, it wasn't bad. Mm. Did you read the same thing I read? I it, it's, it's an atrocity. But let, let's, I mean, I, I don't want to beat, beat this dead horse. I, I'm, I'm scarred. I didn't like it. I, to mm-hmm. the point where I, I went on our sponsor's uh, site, dcbservice.com. I removed issue two from my current order, and I took it off my pull list. I do not want any more of this. I rarely do that. It takes an act of yeah. an act god to get me to do that and i just well, i don't want to waste- hard because i know you love frank a lot but he's one of my top three yeah yeah i'll be i'll be a little bit more wary after this yep mm-hmm. I'll still, but i'll try them but I, I'm, I'm not gonna i'm i don't know i'm walking on eggshells with frank now sure <laughs> no it makes sense. i it's it's an i yeah it's it's just one of those things where i'm not I didn't. I did not order the first issue because I figured it's a three issue series. It'll be collected if if I hear good things. I'll, Same, I'll, yeah, I'll buy the digital of the first issue just to get a taste. And and as long as I hear good things about it, you know, if it if it wraps up well, then cool. It'll it'll make you know it'll look pretty cool on my bookshelf. But there's no way in hell now. And and I don't I don't plan on reading even if, even if what even if he has some kind of magic planned for issues two and three. 64 pages is a massive first chapter, right? If the rest of the book is is good to very good, it's still going to be a turd because you have to endure these first 64 pages or whatever this is to get to the good stuff. And there's no guarantee that there's going to be good stuff, not after this first issue. So, yeah, I'm out. Sorry, bro, hang. It happens, I guess. I just didn't expect it to happen in this instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Let's let's go to something, some fun, something good. All some right. Gooch. What do you got, Jason? And I got so much, but there's there's no way uh, this week that I could talk or I couldn't lead with 
there's only one thing I could I could I had to lead with. Because in my inbox, or rather in my mailbox today, was a envelope from our good friend Mr. Daniel White. Yes. And inside the envelope was his newest mini comic called Supple Dumps. His ninth. His ninth mini comic, yes. And he had mentioned to me that uh, he was sending it along and that um, he was dedicating it to Mario and I. So I had a feeling that it had something to do with our uh, foray into gourmet meals in Chicago, which we talked about when we were at C2E2. And sure enough, I get home, I open it up, and it says, uh, Bon Appetit, Jason, from a wonderful night of food and friendship. He drew a little dumpling, signed a T-dub. And I have to tell you, I have probably read, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000 comics, right, give or take, somewhere in there over the years. Somewhere in that ballpark, an insane amount of comics. I don't know that there have been many comics I've read in my life that I enjoyed as much as this. It's so good. Because it's a hilarious and wildly creative mini-comic about uh, an an intimate experience that he and Mario and I shared um, at a restaurant in Chicago at the Smith and the Loyalist. Um, and I just thought it was so funny. And, and you know, I think if anyone else reads this that wasn't aware of the details, you could easily come away as thinking this is just purely a send-up of fancy meals. Um, which it is. I mean, certainly, that is what it is. But I think that I hope what's not lost in everybody is that this is coming from someone who loved the experience of having a fancy meal. Like, I could see if you read this not knowing Daniel or knowing that we had this experience, you might just think he's mocking people who go and eat expensive food. Um, but it's not that. And then I think knowing the context that this comes from a place of love, I just adored every page. I mean, it's so freaking ridiculous. And, you know, I think good. some of the best humor is when you can laugh at yourself. And a lot of the absurdity with which he describes each course is very much not too far off from the reality of what it's like to eat at a place like that. So to those wondering what I'm talking about, it, it, in this, in this it's, a, it's a narrative of uh, a buddy who is talked into going to uh, eat at a restaurant in Chicago called Supple Dumps on March 22nd in downtown Chicago, which happened to be the night that uh, the three of us went to eat at the Smith. And it's a 10-course tasting menu, as as was our menu. And then on each page, Daniel shows you a course. And he has inside, on the center of, he has a drawing of the course. And in this case, most, the the entire thing is is dumplings. It's a dumpling-themed tasting menu. Ours was not, but but that's, he's going for that here. And each course is more ridiculous than the next. Um, And it's just so funny, like, in, in the second course, he starts... For some, water is an immeasurable liquid only used only for special occasions. In an attempt to dismantle this misguided practice, Chef Tim and his wife Agatha have replaced the contents of this hollowed-out ice cube with the condensation of a steamed pea. Your plate is garnished with the base ingredients of an unmixed dumpling dough. Sample each with wet finger and then drink the vapor. The vapor. The vapor. We call this dish the vapor. 
And it just cracked me up because this is kind of what it was like at the Smith. They would bring out each course, and there were two or three wait staff each with each course. And then they would tell us a story about the course, why it was made the way it was made, what ingredients, how it should be eaten. And he just captures the essence of what it's like to go to one of these places to such perfection. But he does it with just such over-the-top things like in one he's telling you that you should hum it's best it's best to enjoy when you're humming we suggest humming as you partake this dumpling enjoy like just it's just crazy uh, and and it's just i don't know i just thought it was so funny and um the fact that he just made this up on a whim i mean he he went from ideation to publishing this in a matter of days um and then after the 10 course tasting menu there is a story beyond that he he's he goes home to his wife and his wife um his wife is like how was it and He's like, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to eat again. And uh, he, he literally fucking never eats again. He dies. <laughs> he starves himself to death. Because uh, he couldn't live after after having that meal. And um, and then uh, there's a very fitting and poetic um, f- finale af- after um, as the book ends, which I'll leave that for those of you that uh, that will read it. And then the the inset of the back page is a is a photocopy of the actual tasting menu that we had at the at the restaurant so um and then at the back it's uh, some dumplings and it's in quotes i'm so fucking hungry um i did, i just love everything about this i love the creativity i love how how quickly and organically he puts this together i just love how creative it is um and yes i love that it's from an experience that i shared with him personally it's uh it's it's incredible it's it's something i'll cherish genuinely i will cherish this i uh I showed it to, uh, to to Beth, my wife, before we we uh, before we started recording, and she was baffled. She was like, "That's so cool," um, you know. And she's not a comic person, so uh, much love to you, uh, D Dubs. And for those of you that don't know, you can find him at Birds in Boxes, Birds in Boxes um, on the Instagrams and the Twitters, and you can find this comic at his shop, which is at, on Etsy. dot com. Uh, DW1376 is his shop or search on Etsy for bird birds in boxes and you'll find it there but Supple Dumps huge 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 Wumba 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 fan of it it is so good it really hurt it really warms my heart man gave me them feels it's too damn good it's awesome it's awesome I said after I read it, I sent them a text, and I was like, just just one quote after after the meal, where where his wife is uh, distraught because he won't eat, and she's like, I tried sticking a grape up his ass, but he woke up. I, that killed me. I was just, I just it. Oh, the yeah. whole thing is just nuts. But it, it's it's one of my. I, I pretty sure we have all of his work to date and and they're all personal they all feel he he all put he puts himself in everything he does but um you know the fact that it was it was a weekend when you know we were all in chicago you guys went to this dinner it it's um yeah it's 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 fantastic it's one of my favorites that he's done and uh if you haven't yet then yes by all means um make sure you do you do order it. Yeah, I mean another another classic in in the third course. He's describing one of the dumplings, and then he says, "Below the dumpling is a dollop of whipped Appalachian date butter churned by a poorly constructed Rube Goldberg machine. At the end of tonight, we will set fire to the machine and never serve this dish again." Like it's just it's like crazy, but that's like how they talk at these places, you know. 
great. Yeah, like, hyper little pretentious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It, it, listen, it is. In, in, <laughs> no, again, that's why this comic is beautiful. It, from 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 twenty feet away, just observing it for what it is, it would seem ridiculously pretentious if if you didn't just immerse yourself in the experience and the food wasn't incredible, which it was. Right. But yeah. Yeah. So must make an art. Out of an experience. That's what it happens. is, man. It's great. That, yeah, absolutely. Good artists. Yep. Sweet. And supple. And supple. Supple dumps. Like a dump. What you yep. got, Vince? What do I have? Let's see. I have two really good books that I read this mm-hmm. week. And a bunch of head scratchers. So I'm I'm just gonna fo- I'm gonna maybe talk about the head scratchers later, but I want to talk about the really good one first. Did either of you read Sonata number one from Image? Yes. Okay. One out of two is not bad. It, it was written uh, by David Hine, who we uh, read with Shaky Kane on Bulletproof Coffin. And he did Spider-Man Noir, and he's also was one half of a crack Spawn team. And it just so happens that his Spawn co- you know, companion was Brian Haberlin, who or- originally was a colorist on Cyberforce, right. and he, he was deep in Witchblade. And, um, but he's an illustrator in his own right. And like I said, Hein and Haberlin did a great, I think it was about two-year run on Spawn, and they're bringing that same goodness to this uh, creator-owned thing called Sonata, but Haberlin has leveled up <laughs> considerably. Uh, not that he wasn't a slouch to begin with, but this stuff is gorgeous. Uh, color art by Jared Van Dyke, and like I said, it's published by Image. First issue, we're introduced to a race called the Ron, and they, much like ourselves, have... Um, exploited their world to the point where their resources are running dry. They're running out. And they got to find someplace else to live. Wouldn't you know it, once every five cycles, and I don't know how long a cycle is because this is science fiction, but let's just run with it. Once every five cycles, this planet comes into spitting distance to their planet. And it's called Perdita, and they call it the Lost World. And they can make a jump to this Perdita and that's what they do. It's a one-way trip. You you can't come back. So we're introduced to a young woman named Sonata, right? And she's uh, she's basically a flyer. She trains these trains and flies these these giant bird-like beasts called thermosaurs. Um, and you got a bad storm kicking up. Unfortunately, one of her homeworld ships has made the jump during this, this bad storm. And so she she takes the matter into her own hands, and she wants to escort this ship safely to the ground. And her dad, who is the male leader of the tribe, it's it's a matriarchy, so he's like second in command. Uh, his dude's name is Brahmin. Her father told her, "Don't do it. Stay on the ground." And of course, she doesn't listen. She jumps on the thermosaur key, and she takes to the skies. And and the the Iranian ship is struck by lightning. It goes down. Right, so there's these creature called uh, grim cats. They slink in for the kill, and she doesn't shiv. God help me for <laughs> using that. Um, and she she leaps into the air to, to clear out the vermin, but they weren't alone. There's this giant, literally a sleeping giant, cyclopean mess of a creature, 
he just looks at what's going on and he kind of shuffles away. You think he's going to be a massive threat, but he just kind of like, eh, whatever, and, and he shuffles away. Um, there's a race that we're already on the planet called Lumani. Um, and it's one of those cases where you don't judge a book by a cover, by its cover, because they look like s- savage, beast-like, ravenous creatures, but they're anything but. Right? And this one called Crane is a close friend to the the Sonata and her family, but the the twist comes when there's invaders from this planet Taya, and they've landed on this planet and they set up base and they're, they're, they're starting to pillage the resources and they make this giant dam and the dam diverts the only source of water that Sonata and her people have so they're thinking alright we gotta end this we gotta stop this dam because we're gonna die soon without water and uh, her dad wants to go in and crush them but he's, he's they calm him down and they're like you gotta go and talk to these people we know they're they're warlike, and we know you know they're they're just not good. But we got to at least make this first step to talk to them. So um, they they begin these negotiations, and the the Italian leader, this Cantor guy, he's a dickhead. He's he's just like, no, we're not we're not doing anything with this dam other than use it to get water. We're not gonna you know give you water. There's plenty of water on the other side of the planet. Go get that. And unfortunately, the other side of the planet is unexplored, and there's beasts there and it would be you know they'd be taking their lives in their own hands to go try and get this other water source and it would just not be it wouldn't be a good thing for them so what they do is they sabotage the dam the the Iranians go in um, put this charge on it and unfortunately it was a little bit too much explosives and when the dam breaks massive amounts of water just spill over onto the land and um the Lumari um, train, he's taking care of Sonata because her father said, you're not going on this. It's too dangerous for you. But this is even more dangerous because she and uh, train are thrown into this hole in the ground. And what they find leads to more questions with this with this story. But um, And that's it's an exercise first issue. So it's mostly world building. I know it's not a very... Uh, Except a term, but we like it. Yep. And it's just setting up this culture and the the people that find themselves in this situation, they're they're forced to, to share this planet with someone else and the other per the other someone else's don't feel like sharing. So what do you do? You're on a one way trip to hopefully find some kind of um, livable conditions and you can't go back home and these other people come in and they're like, You're not getting anything. So it's a neat little look into these alien cultures uh, and they're they're all human looking except for the the Lumani. I thought it was wonderful. I thought, I thought it was neat. It was just like this um, beautifully visualized um, Haberlin's work is great here. Everything is just the so well The giants are like, I want I love that that, that full page. Yeah, that is yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, it looks like Shadow of the Colossus. Like something that would be in that game. You know, only better designed. Um... It's it's reminds me of uh, I'm not going to say heavy metal because that's obvious. Um, well, yeah, but yeah, it, it, yeah it, it just reminds me of uh, um, a European album from a graphic album from maybe the early '80s, late '70s, early '80s. It feels like there's a vintage quality to this thing, like it's some kind of a reprint, but it's not, you know. And um, 
unfortunately, Haverland does his work mostly digital. Bastard. So I'm guessing a lot of this stuff is is um, is uh, digital. But it's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. You know, um, I was very surprised. I, I I saw the preview pages in the uh, the catalog, and I was like, oh, I'll take a chance on it. But it, it panned out. You know. Yeah, I mean, I would think that just looking at it, it would. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if he's mostly a digital artist. Um, the uh, yeah, you could tell just by looking at it. And uh, like, the I really liked. I don't know what it was about the caption boxes. I really like the text in there. The white text, a little, a little bigger than, than than the usual black text you'll get in the word yeah. balloons. Um, it's it's a gorgeous first issue. I was a little surprised by how abrupt it ended because there was no to be continued or end of book one. It was just they're in the underground cavern and then you turn the page and it's like it's the app for the next issue. I, 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 I was like, okay, I, I was sudden, but uh, we still got it, it was a cliffhanger. So, I mean, you were there to to be hooked and, and come back for the second issue. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as... Go ahead. Having done it, the whole thing may be done. The whole, at least the whole first arc, they may have done it as, um, uh, like a graphic uh, an OGN, and just, yeah, and broken yeah, it up. But it's entirely they, possible. This, the fact that it's an exercise first issue leads me to believe that a lot of it was done prior to the, the you know what I mean, the decision to to publish. So maybe and it's it's a shadow line book, which I it's been a while since I, I've I was kind of this. Enamored by a Shadowline book for the first issue. Um, I, I've, you know, whether it's Samurai Detective, I've, I've read a bunch of, I wasn't a big fan of, of Bomb Queen, but you know, I've read a bunch of, of Shadowline books over the years, but um, none of them have really, I, I, I think of them like, you know, like Top Cow, naturally, but like, and, and it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, I read the first issue and that's cool and I get it. And, and I mean, with Top Cow books, they feel like a certain type of, of, story um valentino kind of just lets you know you took a bunch of different um genres but and, and the story may not be you know it's it's one group that wants everybody to get along another group who's like listen this is what i have and and this is mine now and and tough shit for anybody else it, that itself isn't necessarily new but the way it's presented is really um I think that's where it's worth your time. It it is it's an absolutely gorgeous first issue. Um but yeah, I will love the way the characters look. Um the uh the the the, the, the you speak for the primitives. Um yeah, the the little money are just I really like the way they look. Um Yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I'll be I'll be there for the second issue for sure. Yeah, it was pretty wonderful. Yeah. Jason, you got to read it. It's good stuff. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean the, the the premise is not unique in science fiction, but I think the the visual uh, aspect of it is something we haven't seen mm-hmm. at least you know within recent memory. So yeah, I, I thought it was yeah, it was great. Nice. What else? Um, here's something that uh, isn't new. But it's something that I finally read because I bought it um, 
I'm pretty sure I bought it last year at New York Comic Con. Um, I, unless you'll tell me if, if I picked it up at, uh, at Heroes, but I don't think so, Vince. And I'm talking about a story written by Peter Milligan uh, with art by Brett Ewens and Steve Dillon. Um, and that is Screamer, a six-issue limited series from uh, 1989. And um, I bought it because the dude had all six issues and Vince told me to buy it. And um, <laughs> what? It did. Why did you tell me to buy it? Because I remember it being very good. I don't know the specifics of it. I own it. But um, if you pressed me to tell you the details of the uh, story, I probably wouldn't be able to do it. Okay. Um, but it is Peter Milligan, who's, yeah. who's always really good. Um, it is. It's... It is definitely, it's not the height of, but it's definitely DC's British um, explosion. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not a Vertigo book, surprisingly. Um, it is a, uh, and it's not, it, it's not a DC proper book. It's not set in that universe. It's a standalone tale um, suggested for mature readers. And it's, it's about a, um, a, a future, more or less, and, and to some, in, in some aspects, it reminds me of the um, the Epi Thatcher um, pre Orion Asante Grendel um, environment. Um, basically, the country is is ruled by gangs. The leaders of the gangs are called presidents, um, and your um, your uh, the presidents have enforcers, um, kind of like angels of death, um, and they are um, the leaders of the gangs are all called presidents, and their assassins, their dark angels, uh, were called screamers with a K and um, and two E's, and it's well, um, three with the ERS. But there's it's it's a um, it's not a very happy story it's uh the story is told by the son of a character we aren't introduced to until a couple of issues into the story and it's it's very it's cinematic in a way that we we go back and forth through the present day to years past and um much like you'd see in a film when a scene changes when there's a person in on the screen in the image and and, and then they cut to like you know the yesteryear or or, or present day it, 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 you're still they're in that same exact position um same facial features and everything so it, it it was a nice way to kind of move things along and the um the 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 story about Vito. Vito Screamer, um, not his real last name, but we're we're shown Vito growing up, and and how he had a real tough upbringing, and his father was a um, his father wasn't a nice guy, um, but Vito didn't know his mother. His his mother um, was uh, basically mom was a whore, uh, died in childbirth, and um, he's 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 not exactly Tyrion Lannister, but but he kind of. Um, 
has a little bit of a feeling where Vito kind of you kind of want to root for him at first, but it's it's um, you can't because his the whole idea of this story um, this is this is the age of giants. Um, Vito was born on the same day that this new age um, began. Uh, the person telling the story, um, whose, whose name is Finnegan, he was born in the age of the rebuilding. Uh, the story that he's telling you is set in the age of the giant. Um, and Vito has some friends, um, Dutch Amsterdam and Victoria. And Victoria and Dutch were both um, on the streets together. They took care of each other. They became friends with Vito and, and Vito ended up kind of being their leader. And, and he, they, they ended up working for him. Um, but uh, there were some betrayals and things didn't go. Dutch had feelings for Victoria. Victoria was more in love with Vito. So she ended up with him. Uh, Dutch wasn't happy about that, but he still, he still cared for her. So it just wasn't like he wasn't really all that vindictive, but he just felt more hurt than anything else. Um, so while we're learning about Vito, we are introduced to Vito's wife at the time, who was very much pregnant and ready to give birth in, a, in any moment. Um, but there is a uh, her she's being looked after by this guy Timothy, who's working for Vito. Um, and Vito says Timothy's not to leave her side. Anything she needs, make sure she's safe. Um, and Timothy, it turns out his last name is Finnegan. So the Finnegan who's telling this story is the son of Timothy Finnegan. And while this is all going on, and it's done extremely well, Milligan knows how to tell a tale. Uh, but we're shown Finnegan's parents, specifically his father, um, and how th- it's not necessarily parallels, but it all is ends up being intertwined and and it's the way it all plays out is crazy but it's um you know Vito is is he has a plan where he's basically going to be the king of the country and and he is going to um release disease and plague and infections and he's going to have the antidotes and the cures and the vaccines so this way everybody will need to come to him um Got it all planned out, but Vito's a little crazy, and he kind of um, played. He, he he told his the person who he told the scientist who was who's creating all these diseases, um, basically that you know you have to be my Judas, you have to thwart my plan, and for whatever reason, subconsciously, he just knew that this this couldn't succeed, so uh, he, he basically set himself up to fail. You don't get that at all until the, uh, as, as the story plays out, but it's just, it was crazy. It was, I couldn't turn away. I Page turning, it, it is, and I've not seen a lot of Steve Dillon inking people, but there are I'm not I'm not real sure where, where Ewan's finished and Dylan started because 
there's there are you can definitely see the faces. It, it's definitely Steve Dillon, but it's not as as um, as thick as Dillon tends to tends to work. It's not it, it's not it's a finer line than you would see later on with his Punisher work. Um, but it, it it was just it's it's a fantastic story, and and it, it's it's one of those things. And, and once I found all six issues at that dealer, I'm like, this is great because these are the kind of things that you know. I'm shipping the patrons, and this is a story. Now that I finished it, I'm like, I kind of don't want to part with it, but I need other people to read this. It's it, again, it's from 1989. I don't know how many people have read this, but um, if if you find it, I would definitely recommend it. It's it's a great little standalone story. It's uh, like I said, it's not all that cheery and and super uplifting, but it's still a. Um, and in some cases, it might mirror what's going on in the world today, but I think it's um, it's a really solid read and uh i am thanking you vince because i wouldn't have i mean i remember seeing the house ads especially for these covers but i'd never read it and probably wouldn't have been pushed to to read it if i had found it in the back issues but i did you were there so now i have it yeah i'm gonna have to dig mine out because i i don't remember a lot of it i mean it, it now that you you did the rundown some of it's coming back, but I want to. I would like to read it again uh, with uh, my fifty-some-year-old brain. And it's and it came out. Everything know, it was a is, while ago. yeah, oh, no, definitely a while ago. And and everything is kind. Of, it, everything's fully realized. Even even little things, little asides, little little comments or mentions or or um, things that are drawn in the background. And, and Milligan may may point out, but everything is there for a reason. Not, nothing is. There's nothing extraneous about it. it. It's all, everything is on these pages. Um, and I just think it's a very, it, it's a really, it's a really neat, solid tale. Um, I would definitely recommend it. But yeah, uh, someone, someone's going to be getting this from me. And, and um, I hope they enjoy it as much as I do. Yes, sir. Let me see I'm good. Well, um, we have spoken of the brilliance of Miss Tilly Walden before when we discussed um, spinning and um, we've, we've mentioned, although I haven't really done a deep dive on, on a sunbeam, which um, is her latest work. But uh, for, for those that maybe are new to the show or don't recall, Tilly Walden is um, – quickly establishing herself as, as, as one of the powerhouses of the biz. She's only 23 years old and she's already done more in her career than a lot of people do in 20, 30 years. Um, she's only been at this since 2015, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, she was put on the map uh, in 2016 when she won not one, but two Ignatz awards and, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, Ignatz is um, a series of awards for young um, or new, rather not necessarily young, but new creators. Uh, it's it's a, awards to recognize up and coming talent. Uh, and in 2016, she won the Ignatz for Outstanding Artist for End of Summer. And she won for Promising New Talent for I Love This Part. And I was extremely grateful and happy to have the chance to sit down this week and read I Love This Part, um, which is 
it was her first work. Well, again, it was, I don't know if End of Summer or that was her first work. They both kind of came out around the same time. But it was her earliest work, one of, or let's say a tie with End of Summer. Um, and it's by far, um, it, it's, 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 it's beautiful and it's, it's much different than spinning. Uh, spinning is, I think, a little more straightforward in its structure, which is to say, it's a linear autobiographical comic about her life as a figure skater um, and coming to terms with also moving towns and b- being a lesbian. Um, it's beautiful, but it's, it's, it's structurally linear. It's, it's, it's a period of her, her life in chronological order with real dialogue. And, you know, it's, it's, it's you're basically looking at a window of her life. But but uh, almost it's like but but it's almost like you're watching a screenplay of her life. Um, whereas whereas I uh, I love this part is a much different structure. It's essentially a series of single panel pages, with each panel um, for the most part being some visual cues as well as one or two female characters, um, the, a, a white girl and a black girl. The white girl presumably is Tilly. Um, the black girl is her friend. And um, like I said, each page is, 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 is just one illustration. So not necessarily sequential art here, more like a storybook, if you will. Um, and it doesn't, it's not linear. Uh, it jumps around. Over some undefined period of time, I'm guessing something maybe two to three years of time, um, and it jumps back and forth between them first becoming friends to them no longer being friends, and and then there it, it and then sort of towards the end of the book actually jumps ahead quite a bit of time. Um, it too deals with her exploration of her childhood and uh, realizing her sexuality and the like, but um, it's so powerful because. There are just these, she chooses her words so carefully, and it's just these poignant moments where even as a heterosexual man, a lot of the things that she's exploring in this book are things that I think will evoke memories and emotions for any of us. Because ultimately, it's much less about her being a lesbian and much more about what it's like to be an adolescent, coming to terms with your sexuality, finding people that you care for, falling in love having your heart broken, um, the turmoil of dealing with school, the turmoil of, of if you're, if you're forced to move, um, having to find new friends, new, new, uh, commonalities with people. Uh, and it's just beautiful. She just has a way of evoking emotion, um, with a relatively simple line work and few words that is hard to do. And it's just, it's sickening that she's as young as she is. And she, I mean, she wrote this book when she was 18 or 17, maybe, I don't know if she wrote it in 2015, but she was basically fresh out of high school when she put this out. And it's absurdly accomplished for, for, for no matter, regardless of her age, but, but to think about when she actually did it, it's just insane. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, in a lot of ways, believe it or not, it's, I mean, thematically and, uh, it's it could be further a, apart from supple dumps by daniel but but they i think they share a, an artistic root which is that um 
there she's just she's just creating moments on the page with with relatively simple visuals but the visuals they hit home you're going to remember them like i'm going to remember panels from this book for years to come whereas a lot of comics i read are are decent but i don't even i can barely remember what happened visually or story-wise a month or two later um and that's not this so I, I I think this is a fantastic book. It's small. It's it's much smaller than Spinning. I mean, Spinning is a very thick graphic novel, just resplendent with panels and text and dialogue. This is um, again, it's 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 more like a like a like a picture book. Um, and I I highly recommend it if you have read um, if you have read Spinning or who you have read On a Sunbeam, uh, then by all means you should check this out because. Although different and earlier, I think it's uh, it's it's another point in this Venn diagram of Tilly Walden's career, which I think probably ten to fifteen years from now will be um, nearly unmatched, at least in terms of um, people doing uh, you know personal or autobiographical work. So um, check this out for sure. Uh, so it's it's called I Love This Part and. Uh, yeah, it's it's powerful stuff. It, it's really, really powerful stuff. And I'm just continued to be – it's a running theme of late, but I just continue to be blown away by storytellers who can make me engaged and feel something even though I'm 90% sure I was not the intended audience. And uh, I think that's a powerful ability. So hats off, Tilly. Oh, well, that's the trademark of a good creator. I think so, right? I think so. Span generations and make you feel something, right? I mean, uh, just a personal angle on that. The kids were watching Blockers today, mm-hmm. right? And it's oh, obviously yeah. not a movie, not a movie made for me. No, right? no I don't. You didn't so. appreciate any other company in it. I I appreciated the parents' desire to safeguard the sure the children. Right. I expect that. I, I understood that part. Right, but just just the. Uh, the uh, promiscuousness of the kids and the, you know, the drug use and stuff in in current society as applied to my children, I didn't like that part. But whatever. But anyway, the three kids at the end, um, each one, there's a very significant exchange between the parents and the children where they they kind of met on an even keel, and the children understood what the the, the uh, standpoints of the parents, and the parents understood. The children had to be let free and to experience life on their own and blah, blah. So, and it made me feel, right? But it's obviously not a movie that I would appreciate on all levels. But the the writers managed to do that. And that's what I'm thinking is something that you're getting out of of Tilly's work. Is that regardless of the fact that you're a middle-aged man, definitely not, you know, the target audience. But she still managed to pierce that sweet shell of yours and and get in there i think so and also because i have become pretty fascinated with her um i was reading a few interviews about uh, a a few interviews with her and she um she always talks about a couple of inspirations scott mcleod being the reason she makes comics yeah you know that's no i know but i mean right but that's like that's that core dna where i think if if you're if you can trace your lineage as a comic creator back to Scott McCloud, you you're going to have some com- you're going to be able to reach a decent chunk of the audience, you know, because mm-hmm. it's going to be structurally sound. 
in terms of the storytelling mechanism. And then she also loves um, Studio Ghibli, which admittedly I haven't read on a Sunbeam yet. It's sitting on my shelf. I need to rectify that, which is a sci-fi book. Um, I'm assuming that has more direct influence from Ghibli because her other work being autobiographical, I don't see the Studio Ghibli influence. But the fact that she constantly talks about it still I think is worth bringing up because to your point Vince I'm 44 and a white dude but I love those goddamn movies like I I think they're brilliant and so there's something about the magic of those films and if it inspires her it's all kind of that same artistic DNA like the same the same concentric circles of 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 likes and dislikes so if she's grooving on that stuff a lot then and I am too it makes sense that maybe there's something about that 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 intrigues um, and I will say, um, you know, if we were to make a list of the most famous or the most important uh, autobiographical comics of the last decade that we've been doing the show, I'd have to say like Fun Home would be up there, right? Or Blankets by Craig Thompson or uh, Persepolis, um, all of which I think are fantastic, by the way. Um, and I, I don't know if it's blasphemy, but I got to tell you, I think... I love this part in spinning are better than those books. And I think those are great books. I mean, I know they're not, I know this is not your speed, uh, particularly Vince, you, uh, neither of you really too much, but I know Vince for you in particular. So, so I'm not expecting you to, to run out and grab these and, and then come on in a week or two and say why you were right. Um, but, but, uh, you know, as someone who does like that style of work, I have to say she's, she's right up there with them. If not, if not more accomplished, or at least if it did, it had an even bigger emotional resonance with me. Um, and I do say that recognizing that it's been a lot of years since I read those other books. So maybe at the time I was feeling them more, more sharply and, 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 uh, intimately than I am now, you know, looking back on them. So that's possible too. But in the moment, uh, I, I think she's probably above them in her ability to, uh, to, uh, hit, hit them feels. All right. Well, I'm just going to do a quick hit thing. I have, a. Um a trio of books that um, I'm trying to get current on the DC universe. Uh, why? Uh, particularly the Superman books. Why? Because it was announced uh, this week that uh, Bendis is bringing back the Legion. Yes. And that well, it should have been a joyful occurrence for me, but the fact that it's Bendis doing it, um, uh, it's a double-edged sword, right? No, uh, I, I mean, we, we, we all have our favorites and, and people we don't like, and this is not a case of that with me. I genuinely think Bendis is a good writer of ideas, but where Bendis fails for me is his dialogue. I find it insufferable. And, and I know what he's doing. He's trying to approximate speech patterns, uh, that we hear every day. And we do it. Uh, Jason just did it in his, his review of, of the Tilly Walden book. She she tries to, like, the way we, we use, I just did it right there. The way we duplicate words and the pregnant pauses and stuff, Bendis tries to duplicate that on the page, and I find it maddening. It drives me absolutely crazy when he does it. That said, I read Event Leviathan number one which is the first of a six-issue miniseries. Written by Bendis, illustrated by Maliv. Not a huge Maliv mark, but he looked good here, I thought. Yeah, but, I like that. Yeah, but more of the same from Bendis. I mean, 
the interaction between Batman and Lois Lane, I, I wanted to die. I, did I just not thought it sound was, right. I wasn't feeling no, it at all. I, no, I, I, I thought it was ridiculous that she has been in his presence many times. Yes, with her husband, but she has a gun level at Batman. Like, are you serious? You know who he is. You can see the cowl and the costume and the, the cape and everything, and yet you, you, you're you talking to him and your gun is still leveled at him. Like, it's just... And just the wordplay between the two was, was nuts. Um, and basically... Leviathan is going around and he's destroying all the intelligence agencies. Cadmus, Argus, DEO, buildings go kablooey, all of the agents are, 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 are dead. Lois Lane and Batman break into this, the remains of this Argus installation called Odyssey and just to see what's up. And oh, who do they find? Steve Trevor. And he's relatively unscathed, though he did experience. The events that led to the destruction of the the building, and he, he goes into detail, but he's he's obviously addled because he, he, to me he was a little bit touched in the head because he, he's saying I'm Leviathan, you're Leviathan, she's Leviathan, and he's and he's just spouting all these insane theories, and it's just I I I can't I just I can't continue with this. I if 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 being up on my bendis means I have to be a, that's the, my inroad into the current DC universe. I guess I'm just not going to be up on the DC universe books. I don't, I don't know. Um, same thing with Superman number 12. It's, it just makes no sense to me the way these characters speak. It, it, he may have the S or the, the house of L she a crest on her chest. But I don't know who this character is. He doesn't talk like Superman. It, it's, then this episode may go down as Salty Vince episode. I don't know. But I read Superman 12 and Supergirl 31, and, and it just does not feel like like the characters that, that I, I know so well. well the, I don't... I guess I... I agree with you. Now, I haven't read the Walmart Batman book which Bendis is writing. So I don't know how his Batman sounds in that book. Event Leviathan. I, even when Oliver Queen shows up, I'm like, I still, something was still a bit off. So I loved the special that kicked off that, that, that teased the event. Wasn't really thrilled with the first issue of the miniseries. Superman, though, um, Man of Steel was a rough start. I, no sugarcoating that. I'm not going to deny that. But I think, whereas I've really been enjoying action because it isn't so Superman and Clark Kent-centric, I haven't found his Superman in the Superman title Um Offensive. I, I, it doesn't, and there are times where I'm pretty sure I've, I've said in the past when, when characters don't really sound like themselves or so. I mean, I, I'm with you there. If you're not, if you're not feeling it, then I, there's no arguing, but I don't normally when we see eye to eye on, on Superman and I'm not really getting that. I'm not getting what you're getting from the Bendis. Superman from the dialogue, from how he interacts with with his, because I, I also don't, I don't know where because I wasn't 
I didn't read all of Superman post rebirth. I didn't read all of it post new 52 and I didn't read all of it um post rebirth. So whatever whatever Jurgens was doing with inaction um I read I, I read the Tomasi Gleason Superman, but I don't know what was going on in action. Um so I'm not sure when or how Jor-El came back. I'm not sure if this is the actual Jor-El for this universe or if this is a time-slipped Jor-El from an alternate multiverse. Um, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. I'm just going to read it as as it's presented and and just live in the now, so to speak. But um, the the conversations that that Clark has with Kara or with John or with Jor-El, I I didn't. I didn't hear anything off in in those conversations. Well, all the pieces are here. I mean, he he focuses on the the familial aspect of the House of El. That's great, right? Um, and and the the idea that there's this conspiracy that may have been involved in the destruction of Krypton. That's kind of fun. I mean, it's it's. I think it's unnecessary. Ultimately to mess with the origin but okay whatever let's see where it goes i just it it just seems like that this these characters are placeholders for someone i should recognize but the 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 things that are coming out of their mouth doesn't there's no um authenticity to it it just doesn't feel like the characters i know and and if i could pinpoint exactly what it is I would tell you, but I can't. It just it feels hollow to me. It just feels like Bendis is playing with somebody else's toys, which in most cases, what has he done his entire career at Marvel? But mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't, at least with like Luke Cage and Jessica, he made those characters. They, they were believable. They had that Bendis spin that made them interesting. This is just it it feels like a puppet show to me. Hmm. I, I just I don't I'm not getting it, and I want to get it because uh, Yvonne Heiss is amazing. I want to keep reading this book because I think his art is phenomenal, and I, he's a wonderful Superman artist. His Superman is everything Superman should be. Yeah, handsome, built like a brick shit house. He inspires awe on the page. You can you would put your life in this man's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same with 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 Kara and and John to a, a lesser extent. I mean, I don't really know who this character is now. He's been away for a while, and he's he's what? Uh, how old is he? Seventeen? Um, Whatever. No, 16, yeah, 16, yeah. Because he was away for seven so years. So there's there's been a chunk of John's life that was taken away from Superman. That's kind of neat, um, at least in terms of of plot wrinkles down the line. But I'm just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I want to love these books. And it just feels like I'm reading stories about characters that and that's, I'm not. That probably is part that, that stings for me a little bit is because I, I do kind of love these books right now. And that you want to when you're not, as opposed to, you know, me saying, hey, you should read this. And you're like, yeah, okay. And then you do it. But yes, these are all things that in any other given moment any other time you'd be all about and um 
I yeah, said it's a weird. It's a weird world where I'm enjoying the Superman books and Vince's and Jesus. seriously. And <laughs> and what's what I and I guess it comes down to Le- Bendis because I, I I don't I have never been bothered by Bendis's dialogue. In fact, yeah, I found it, I, I'm I'm generally a fan of it. I think that's actually one of his strong suits. So, um, in fact, I remember it's years ago uh, on one of his chats with uh, Suntress, he talked about how he thinks one of the issues a lot of comics writers have is that they write words that they think how people speak and they don't read them aloud and say does that sound like a person actually speaking and I think that's actually what Bendis gets his right is that you're reading it is conversational that's actually how people speak yeah where most most words are written more formally than people actually speak so I don't know but that was apparent that is that's a Bendis strong suit and it's so it's funny that you cited as something that drives you nuts for your average character yes but when it when it concerns Lois Lane a journalist who chooses her words very carefully, mm-hmm. and when it concerns uh, a, a man like Batman, who also does the same, and Superman is always ready. He thinks things out. He plans his words carefully. To have him like stutter and, and to leave gaps in his delivery, it just doesn't work for me. It's these aren't characters that would sure. do that. You don't. You don't do it. I wouldn't expect you to stumble over words. If if you did, I would think somebody was writing bad dialogue for you. No, I understand what you're saying. I, I it, 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 this is not a thing of where I think you're you're wrong per se. I I'm more surprised that it, it's not unusual for any of us to not enjoy a book as much as the others. It it is unusual for us to disagree on the mechanism of 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 why we're not liking it or liking it. And in this case, I just, it is fascinating to me that the thing that you cite as the reason you can't get with this book is pro- is something I, I for sure. And I think David too view as a strength of Bendis. Like I just, I think his dialogue is a, it. I think if anything to me, Bendis goes astray because sometimes he gets too caught up in having people sit around talking to each other and uh, he can lose the, he can, he can, he's be reminded that, Hey, you're writing a comic where really cool shit can happen on the page because we have amazing artists drawing stuff for you. Um, I think he sometimes gets too caught up in his dialogue, and but I don't think while he's doing... I never think, oh, his dialogue sucks. And that, that Well, you just opened be. the door for me. You just told me why I don't like it. Because it, it makes me aware that it's a tool that he uses. Sure. And it, and it, and it also alerts me to the fact that I'm reading something mm-hmm. written by a human being. Other mm-hmm. writers with... with believable dialogue that I don't it doesn't come to my notice that yeah I'm 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 reading the events on a two-dimensional piece of paper right where Bendis that's the thing that leaps out this is the Bendis method he's doing it again you're reading a work of fiction written by a human being what's uh, which may be why I'm enjoying action more than Superman because those are more it's it's a book full of human characters talking at a newspaper and mm-hmm. and that and, and yeah full disclosure I'm, I'm reading action I'm not reading Superman so I, I'm, I'm that could be a part of this as well I, I same thing I, I'm not reading both though so for me action is all my I, only window here I, I and I'm absolutely loving action and that's where the event Leviathan um, comes into play more than Superman because Superman is its is its own thing, focusing on Superman and and the L's and and I guess that's what's going to launch the the Legion book, whereas Action is dealing with the whole Leviathan thing. Um, 
but which I and and I love I love the art in Superman. I'm just not loving the story as much. I think it's gone on. It's gone on for twelve issues now, and and it's mm-hmm. it's been a long story because it kicked off in the last few pages of Action Comics one thousand, and then we had the six issues of Man of Steel, and now we still have this. And and as gorgeous as it looks, it's been going on for a while. So I'm I'm ready for that to wrap up. Um, but action has been pretty much nonstop. Um, just really enjoyable. Yeah. So those were my duds. Um, no more, no more duds this week. Okay. Did, did you, or no, I, I shouldn't say date. I know you all read, I didn't put it on my list cause it was the last thing I read. Uh, warlord of Mars attacks. Number one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to get now, now you're pressing the buttons. Um, what did you think? I I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, I think that um, I I I I, I enjoy the. Mars Attacks books quite a bit. Uh, I think Dynamite has done a good job with those. The last uh, arc with which we talked about, I, I forget who wrote it, but um, I thought that was a lot of fun. So I, when I saw the solicitor, I thought, well, this is going to be stupid and funny. I mean, because it's just the play on words seems pure genius, right? They they have licenses to to the, to the Warlord of Mars, and they have licenses to Mars Attacks, and they put them together to make a comic, which seems like a stroke of genius. Like, why hasn't that been done before? Um, Making you giggle though, it does. And and so this is written by Jeff Parker, who we're fans of, with art by Dean Coates, and colors by Omi Remelante. Um, like I said, I liked it. I I I am a, I was a little disappointed though because I thought it would be completely ridiculous and make me giggle every page. And I thought that there were too many pages without. Carter and, and, and Martians. There were too many pages in the Jet Propulsion Labs in Pasadena. I, I like I just just too much. I needed a few more pages of Martian ridiculousness and a few less pages of uh, of humans sitting around talking to each other. Um, but that is not a condemnation of the series because uh, I think we'll probably get a lot of action in the coming issues. So uh, and I think Dean looks great. I think he looks great. I think he's of the 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 EC mad school I think he's he's just the right amount of of of, of cartoony and just the might, right amount of rough around the edges for this kind of book so I think visually it's 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 per, he's perfectly suited for it um, uh, yeah I it it's the I tell you the reason I can't give this like the most resounding of high fives and say that you got to read this book is because s- s- thematically it's it's a lot like the beginning of Fear Agent, and that's pretty much perfect comics to me. So, I, like, this is a pale comparison to the start of Fear Agent to me. So, uh, liked it, can't say I loved it. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a good approach. I did love it, though. Sure, and I assumed as much. Also, you... I, I share a love of Mars Attacks with you. I... Am not particularly a fan of Warlord of Mars. I, not to say I dislike him, but I don't seek out. I don't read much of the dynamite stuff of him. Um, it, not something that grabs me generally. So I suspect you, with the pulp love, you have an affinity for both of these properties. 
So this was a one plus one equals three for you. Yes, yes. And the fact that they tied the Mars attacks Martians into Barsoomian mythology was a big plus. Sure, um, sure. This, this Pew Mogul was a villain uh, in the, the John Carter and the Giant of Mars books book, which was not written by ERB, but by his son, um, John Burroughs. So it's it's a you know touched by greatness moment, but it's not regarded as one of the better um, John Carter books. But you know, be that as it may, the fact that they they tied in the Mars attacks to the history of Barsoom and to have these things, these these moonheads as they call them, being uh, genetically engineered by a villain to you know attack the attack helium the, the the cultural center of of barsoom and not only that but the home of deja thoris i mean i thought it was i don't i don't want to say brilliant but it's one of those why didn't i think of that mm-hmm. you know ideas so yeah i loved it i thought uh coats is just loose and rough enough to make it work mm-hmm. like uh, you know if you there's yeah i thought it looked great i thought it looked great yeah yeah, there's a there's a way to approach Mars attacks, and well, in this case, John Carter and Mars attacks. Like you got to do justice to both of them, so you can't be too loose, which fits the Mars attacks franchise, but it doesn't necessarily fit the John Carter franchise. So I think he's smack dab right in the sweet sweet spot with this book, and oh, yeah. I just I loved it. I, I I would if I would eat it. That's uh, how my show. Oh, good, yeah. good. You read it too, didn't you, Dad? I did. And? No, <laughs> was like, that wasn't no, that wasn't meant to be. I don't, no, that I wasn't that. There was no, no no hidden meaning there. Um, no, I, I I think it looks great. I don't have a. Um, I, I chuckled whenever the Martians, you know, got to do their act act act. I I think um, I was enjoying it up until we were on Earth, and um, it's it, it kind of hit. Uh, more than a speed bump it not quite a wall uh, once you know we're, we're introduced to um to uh to ramon and you know let's hop in my car we'll get away and here's this dude who's gonna whip out a gun it's just i i there was too much of that for me and and not enough of um the martians or the even john carter and you know i have I have a bunch of of the Marvel John Carter books in in a short box upstairs because I uh, Lance Kaiser actually gave me a bunch and and mostly because they were illustrated by Gil Kane. But um, no, the little I've read of John Carter, I've enjoyed. Um, I guess I just wanted more Mars Martians. Yeah, and, yeah, same, and John same, Carter. Same. Um, yeah, shout, out to, shout out to Lance Kaiser, by the way. Hope he's doing well. Uh, I mean, I'll be back for the second issue because, because you know, I yeah, huge same. Parker fan, so I want to see where we're going. Um, I don't know how many of these issues this is scheduled to be, um, or if it's if it's an ongoing. But um, nah, there's no way it's an ongoing. That's I didn't, especially with <laughs> Dynamite well, book, but uh, and it may have been, right. Yeah, it's like they may want it, but um, but yeah, I. I uh, I think it looks great. It it reads great. I just um, it 
there wasn't enough for me to 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 give it two thumbs up. Okay, that's fair. I give it two fully fully you erect do. thumbs. You can have, fully erect. You can have all my thumbs. Engorged and tingling. You betcha. Uh, I don't have a time clock here, so I don't know how. Oh, it's pretty early. It's not it's even one. Totally. Um, this is a. Uh, I'm 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 liking this episode regardless of of how we started it off because um, Jason talks about a graphic novel um, and I picked something up um, from the library last last weekend um, and I read it in one evening because I couldn't I couldn't put it down and um, it's from Hartley Lynn it's uh, it's a collection from a few issues of uh his Popats comic and it is called Young Francis and i it there's it, this is this will sound this won't come out as a compliment as much as i'm trying it to be but it's i want to say it's nothing special but it absolutely is one it's weird it, it's almost it's close to being a captivating read i it, it looks amazing it, the the lynn style is very much um reminds me of uh of herge with, with tintin it i is reminds me of of mcleod since, since jason brought him up before um but but it's about um Francis Scarland, who is a uh, who's who's a law clerk, and uh, her roommate Vicky, who's uh, who's trying to become a, a uh, successful actress in in a town in um, in Canada, and the again, I, I just I, there isn't anything about this where I'm like, okay, yeah, this this is definitely something that I, I think it's up for an Eisner, but. Um, I, the, the line Lynn puts on the page, it's just the, the detail. It's, it's just, it, it's a standard black and white story, but the expressions on the characters' faces, um, you know, it's not, nothing super hyper detailed, but you just, you know what they're feeling, what they're thinking before they even say anything. And, um, you know, you have, uh, when what Francis is basically struggling with with trying to, she wants to um, work kind of stresses her out a bit, and and she wants to be successful, um, and she is made the um, the assistant of um, of the head of bankruptcies, uh, whose name is um, uh, Marcel Castingay, and and he. He is drawn massively. He is a a hulk of a man, and um, he's a man. He's and, and he, I mean he's, he's huge compared to everybody else, but um, he's a very thick, stocky, oh, two C's yeah, yeah. individual. Um, but he uh, he's he's very just he's muscular. He's matter of fact, and he uh, he doesn't own an umbrella or a hat or an overcoat because he. There's a, a an underground mall that connects their building um, 
to the hotel that he lives at, so he just he he, des- he never has to worry about getting caught in the rain. Um, but she, uh, he he actually they do show him uh, uh, drinking cosmopolitans, but I don't know if um, if if he. Uh, like skinny coat and pina coladas, but they they do have um, Vicky ends up getting out to uh, to California to Hollywood, um, and there are conversations that that Francis has with her and and because uh, there's a because uh, Vicky becomes the the lead on a show called Bad Prosecutor where she. Um, becomes a, a DA who's also like a vigilante and um so it's completely just just batshit insane and and makes no sense and and Francis Francis doesn't mock the show but but when um Vicky mentions Francis and what she does to to the showrunners of the show and they want Francis to you know write some stories so that things aren't so outrageous and outlandish um throwing something else into Francis's life that now she may have to deal with or say no to, or will she leave the law firm to do this? And it's just, it's very, it, it's, it's, a, um, again, plain just doesn't do it justice, but it, it's, you know, there's no, there's no explosions. It's not a summer blockbuster. It's just, it's a very simple, straightforward story. And, and I was completely caught up in what these characters were doing and, and the, uh, self-inflicted drama that that francis puts on herself um it, it's it, you don't it you're not you don't feel sorry for the characters but you also don't um feel like you know they they deserve any anything bad that may happen to them they, and 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 their sphere of influence or the people they know that that you also meet through them at the law office, for example, with Francis, um, and names you had seen that, that she'd worked with before and what happens to them. It's just, it's, I was completely close to blown away. I didn't know what to expect when I, when I started reading it and I just thought it was going to be, and it, again, it reminds me of something like, you know, that you'd read from, from Scott McCloud. It is just, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, um, it's unassuming and and i just i started reading it and i could not stop and and it was um it was it's absolutely one of one of the favorite things i've one of my favorite things i've read this year and whereas you know i read sabrina and and i was like okay you know that's that's what it was um this is is nothing like that um it looks great i i i really i can't get the art out of my head i just i i Love Lynn's style for this. Uh, you racking up the Eisner noms this year, thanks to the library. I, well, and and I have Bad Girls on the Coffee Table that I'll be reading this weekend. Um, oh, shit, you know I love that book. Yeah. So, um, and I actually have, I do have the um, uh, Walden's uh, Sunbeam upstairs. So I will, I plan on reading that soon. But mm-hmm. the, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm in a an OGN or, or graphic novel kick right now, but this was just, this was, yeah, I, if, if you haven't check it out, um, I, I, I definitely recommend it. I don't, I, it, it's not like it, there's, there's like, I think maybe three overall, three, three different, 
I mean, they're all yeah issues two, three, and five from um, uh, Pope Hats is where these these stories originally appeared in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's only a, I've never read any Pope Hats. I haven't either. Um, until, what are you answering? Nope. Um, and and shout out, you know, speaking of shout outs that we were doing before, I mean, it's only one hundred and thirty-eight ish pages. Um, this was uh, even though Pope Hats is published in Canada, Young Francis is brought to us thanks to um, our good friend, Mr. Chris Pitzer. And this is an ad house book. Word. So, um, this was, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely um, would recommend this. And it's, 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 it's a good, it, it's a solid read and it's not, it's not super heavy. It's not something that's going to take a lot of time. I just, I, I was really, uh, really quite pleased with it. So that's my graphic novel minute. I love it. I love it. So muscular. I look forward to hearing about all those books. Guys. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 You are definitely not reading Francis. Um, and there you know, was. Jeff, you had asked uh, if we wanted to tag on something. Happy to. Um, although I don't have a ton to say about it. Yeah. I don't either. Is... Um, okay. Well, be... <laughs> no. It's, it's, it, it was what I expected. Um, it, it may have been. It may have been. Um, three or four issues too long but it, it was still I, it looks cool um and i dig the main character i i i you know but i'm, I'm a sherlock holmes fan so it, there's just um yeah it was uh I'm, I'm still trying to think about how i felt about about the swerve and um but we're overall talking. well we are well, talking about yeah we're talking about prodigy yeah the latest of uh mark miller's uh miniseries um that uh, will be turned into some kind of property at Netflix soon enough. Um, it was a six-issue miniseries. The six-issue came out, I think, uh, two weeks ago? Two yeah. weeks ago? Yeah. Um, it is the second of uh, the partnerships between Miller and Raphael Albuquerque, who is certainly one of my favorite comic artists. Um, but interestingly enough, man, like, you know, peanut butter and chocolate are better together. This is like... It's like peanut butter and tuna. <laughs> like, like I like them both. Like, I love me some peanut butter and always a tuna sandwich like you read about. But I don't know if mixing them's all the best. Like, I don't know what it is, but um, of all of the Miller, I think it's fair to say I'm the biggest fan of Miller of the three of us, at least on a, on the average. I enjoy his stuff the most. Um, I Of all the miniseries that Miller's done in the last five, six years... I think that Huck and Prodigy, which are the two he's done with Albuquerque, are the least uh, impressive. I don't uh, know. Yeah, I wanted to say that 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 is the common denominator because I was trying to think if maybe it's an issue, and I haven't finished. I haven't read. I haven't started. Never mind. Finished. I haven't. I've read Magic Order because I can't find the fourth issue. It's somewhere upstairs, but mm-hmm. um, I'll be reading that soon. And you know, I read the. Um, the the Flash Gordon book with with Parlov I read, um, I did read the uh, Empress that was the one with Stewart in it right so I mean I I've read a lot when of what you've been read doing it, lately. You damn well should which is the Magic Order which is phenomenal yes no and I and I expect it to be phenomenal um, but I um, although I didn't read the the Jupiter ones but the um, this one. This became apparent here, and and as I was thinking back about Huck, which was their first collaboration, 
it's a situation where I think it just it didn't. It, I I don't want to really say that it fell apart, but it just it didn't kind of really stick the landing for me. And yeah. Huck was kind of the same way with that. Yeah, whereas exactly. Huck started off hella strong, and I loved yep. it. And I don't know what the hell happened less than halfway through, and I was just like, I don't. You you had something, and you just you found it in the rest of the way. And there were things yep. that were here that were cool and neat. And and you know, if you saw them play out again, like on Sherlock, okay, cool. You know that I get it. You know, because you are the smartest dude in the room. And I love the whole thing with the with the subconscious, and everybody's trying to work on this. This uh, this asteroid yeah, coming cool. towards Earth and and how that was resolved, but but yeah, I think it was just it was it went on way too long and mm-hmm. um, as much as I love Albuquerque, it wasn't as tight as I'm used to seeing from him. Yeah, and just to set it up for people, it, the story is about a guy named Edison Crane, um, who is you know he he's he's an amalgam of james bond sherlock holmes and indiana jones Bruce wayne and, yeah. indiana he's he's in the solicit for the first issue they say he's a Nobel prize winning scientist genius composer olympic athlete expert in the occult now international governments are calling on him to fix problems that they just can't handle um so he's 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 like mr terrific basically yeah, uh, really. yeah, yeah. um and it's fine i mean it's fine but but when i was done with the sixth issue i thought okay yeah like this is going to be a story i'm going to have trouble remembering in a year if someone says, what was that about? I'll remember it's about the character, but I won't remember the details. And uh, yeah, just uh, feels like a waste of Albuquerque's talents. But yeah. uh, say love you. Because even the big bad wasn't wasn't really a threat. It was just yeah. like, I yeah, just, exactly. So, so, so their thing is that they hunt kids. Like, All right. Well, that's yeah, that's that's reprehensible. But it's not like they really I mean, they got what they deserved, but it wasn't as as, you know, when you expect. When, when you when you read a story about characters that Miller's writing who who exact revenge, I think yeah. of Wanted. I think of you know the Kingsman. I don't think of you know. Oh, good thing the force field's on the spaceship because now despite, right. I was just like yeah, right. I'm like whatever. Correct. Yes. Um. Something else I took on. I I, I just picked up on a whim because I think it was well because I saw Ty Templeton. Had wrote it, and I'm pretty sure DCBS had it at, at half off. And it was it, it's a trade, and I did not know what it was collecting at first because I didn't fully read the solicit. Um, but it's Batman and Harley Quinn, and it is by Ty Templeton. And for the most part, well, the first the first half, except for a couple of pages, is um, by Rick Burchett, uh, and there's a few pages by uh, Luciano Vicchio. And then you have um, a couple of other chapters written by Jeff Parker and Amanda Diebert and Matthew Dow Smith. And you have art by Craig Russo, uh, David Hahn. And I am going to guess this is because it says originally published online as Harley Quinn and Batman chapters one through five and Batman and Harley Quinn one through seven and so it's a collection of of the comiXology digital dc first um Mm -hmm. stories and the first chapter is is told in the um batman adventures style um nightwing with his mullet um and harley is it, it starts off where where Harley is. She's sabotaging 
um, Joker's plans. And all because she wants um, Joker to acknowledge her, to appreciate her, to... um, She's jealous because during Joker's big plan, he uh, and his escape that she keeps screwing up. Um, she says, "You know, all these pictures, you have, all these pictures you have in in this hideout are of Batman. You have Batman getting gassed, getting run over, getting blown to bits. Nothing but pictures of Batman all over the place. But you ain't got a single picture of me. And and so she's so she's just." She's lost it, and so Joker gets arrested, um, and so does Harley Quinn. So before they can haul her off to jail, Poison Ivy comes, snatches her away, rescues her because she needs Harley, and so they're teaming up a little bit, um, but Ivy's kind of losing it. She's losing touch with humanity, and and she she basically refers. She's referring to herself as a plant. It, it's all about the plant. She doesn't care about anything, any 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 mammal, any human on Earth. Um. So Harley now has to thwart any of her plants because she doesn't want to lose her friend, and and she thinks that that's what's happening. So she gets Ivy arrested, and at that point, she decides to turn herself in. She's out on, um, she goes out on parole, and then that's when the last, that's when the back half of the book starts. And those are just a bunch of different stories that really, I don't know what the connection is. And you have one where it's Batman versus Blockbuster, which basically just kind of feels like a little backup tale. Then you have a story where, Poison Ivy um, suckers a new guard at Arkham into letting her out. Batman shows up just in time. Um, then there's a story where the Floronic Man and Swamp Thing go at it, um, which completely Wait, feels out of place. Say, say again. Did you want me to say woohoo? You, you said that I mean, well, it's, 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 I'm glad you did because it, it's Floronic Man, Jason Woodrow, he was, he was summoned by the Parliament of Trees and, um, to atone for something. And, and he, uh, he, he doesn't feel like he's done anything wrong. So he ends up fighting Swamp Thing and, um, ends up getting consumed by the swamp at the end. Uh, then we cut to a Nightwing story where it's Nightwing chasing Catwoman. Um, and Nightwing basically, I guess, has a crush on Harley. This is the only story that kind of ties into the first half of the book. Again, all the rest of the chapters in the back here feel so disconnected until you get to chapter five and six because it's um it's Harley trying to do right and and she ends up getting work as at a uh, at a hospital at a clinic as, as a psychiatrist because someone wants to give her a chance so then she decides to go and visit her hyenas at the zoo and this is kind of like an introduction to 
Harley joining Task Force X and and beating the crew of the Suicide Squad. And I'm just and so again, I I bought this. I wanted to read it because it's Ty Templeton, and I figured why not. And and after I'm done, I can pass it along. And it starts off pretty strong, but then again, I I don't know what. The back the back half is just there to make sure you can fill out a, a trade, but I don't know. None of them have. There's no. There's nothing that connects them to what else was going. It, it was. It's the weirdest collection. It looks cool. Some of the art is absolutely fantastic. Um, some of the art, you know, works great online to move stories along, but um, it's just and and even the cover is kind of weird because it's partly like computer generated uh, it, it's it's weird the coloring's kind of off I, I don't it's just it's a weird weird collection um if you are a harley quinn completist then then you might um you might want it if if you're a ty templeton fan you'll probably dig it a lot i, I did because of that um and because i like Burchett's art because i've always enjoyed his uh his, his batman adventures comics but um yeah, it was, it was just, it was weird. That That's all I want to say. And I, I, I read it last week and I don't want to, I don't want to keep bringing it around, having it next to me over the next few weeks. So I wanted to make sure I, I talked about it tonight so I could move on. But it was just, it's, it's a weird collection, man. Just weird. A resounding endorsement. Right, I mean, it's not, yep. it's not horrible. It's just, it was one of those things where I was, like, I guess, I guess I was expecting something and I didn't. It was just, you know, I. Where's the best way I can describe it? It's just, you know, I, I ain't mad at it. I'm just a little, I guess, perturbed by it. Right. Well, I will, um, I'll brush that off and say that uh, just quickly. Clue candlestick number two does not disappoint. Dashall is a freaking badass and uh i mean this book is so fucking crazy i i uh he just he's so he's doing such amazing things with the the meta idea of the game and the key things of the game like the primary colors were in in the beginning of the the second issue we've got a painter um speaking to his muse about the uh importance of different colors and of course they are they happen to be the colors of the game pieces and characters in the clue game um, and it turns out that the muse is Miss Scarlet, and as it uh, turns out, Miss Scarlet is a freak, and she's like a Black Widow. Only instead of marrying men and killing them, she is a muse for different artists of different subjects, and she always kills the artist after they've drawn or sculpted or painted or or crafted her. And uh, so we see her going from artist to artist who fall in love with her and want to uh, have her, and then they. They depict her, and then she kills them. And uh, that all leads up to understanding why she, in fact, was invited to this dinner that led to the murder. And um, a few more characters get get killed off uh, in this in this issue, including someone with a lead pipe. And, uh, <laughs> um, and Dash gives us a few puzzles to solve. And I didn't do this, but he says in the back pages in the ephemera that if you go back in the first and second issue and solve all the puzzles he's given you, you will find out who the murderer is. I mean, I presume he's going to tell us in issue three anyway, but um, it's a freaking masterpiece. And it's so strange to be saying that about a 
licensed book about a fucking board game, but it's insane. It's it's absolutely insane in how well it's executed. So, tip of my cap to Dashaw. Second issue was crazier and even more profoundly beautiful than the first. Nice. That's something that I'm going to wait to read the whole thing in trade because I think it's it's too complex to read issue by issue. I'll tell you, IDW does such a great job with their um, collected editions when they reprint stuff. I, I they don't. They don't often make hardcovers of their sequential um, issue issue work. But I, I would love for a hardcover of this because it's yep. it's a beautiful art book. I mean, it's yeah. It's it's just such, it's it's so bizarrely wonderful. <laughs> it doesn't have any business being as good as it is given the subject matter. Truth. All right, people. Hey. Thank you for being here one more time. Remember, if you want to get your books, get them cheap, get them delivered right to your domicile, go to dcbservice.com. It's the only place to get them as cheaply as you're going to get them. Everything in the previous catalog is massively discounted, and you don't have to worry about anything. Order it, and you get it. Boom, dcbservice.com. Big bottle. Yeah, in your travels, I saved the best for last. By far the most enjoyable experience of the previous week written by Joshua Williamson illustrated showing <laughs> everybody out there not everybody illustrated by Howard Porter hi-fi did the colors it is of course the third chapter in the flash year one I'm talking of course about flash number 72 this issue is uh, the cover anyway is called the rise of the rogues and that's exactly what happens Barry comes back from a uh, turtle ravaged future after being uh, uh, taught by his future self on how to do some things comes back to his present timeline and who does he encounter well the turtle and uh, he bumbles his way into actually beating the turtle and uh, thinks that, well, okay, maybe I done averted that terrible future timeline. I'm going to give Iris the time of day. So he allows the uh, the relationship with Iris to flourish. And this is the thing that got me about this issue, was that Howard Porter elevates the mundane to, like, an art form. There's a double-page spread in which it's just... It alternates between Barry hanging with Iris and Barry saving people and Barry uh, doing his uh, forensic thing and making his costume and hanging more with Iris. And it's just wonderful, but it's it's just a lot of it's just everyday stuff. And Porter just illustrates it so magnificently well. But um, this issue is, like I said, called Rise of the Rogues. So we get a glimpse at uh, good old Leonard Snart and one Clive Yorkin, and uh, Barry brings him down, but I'm guessing, I'm hoping, that's going to lead to something else. But I didn't expect this uh, arc to to be this wonderful, and it's just been so surprising. Um, And there's a cliffhanger, of course, at the end of uh, the issue that uh, doesn't look too good for Barry, but I'm sure it's going to be resolved. But uh, it's just wonderful. Flash is, is... I never thought I would be praising a Flash comic, but I think this year one thing is just great. And I know David read them, 
I did read the first three chapters. Um, this. Well, like <laughs> Superman, you're all right. There are. I am a huge. I didn't know. I am a huge <laughs> Flash fan, specifically Barry Allen, um, because Wally's kid Flash for me. But I think that um, you know, I whether it's um, you know from Carmen Infantino drawing the character, um, it, there's just and 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 now with the TV show, you know. Barry's origin, you know, you want to tweak it. That that's fine. Yeah, we we we've, we talked about tweaking origins at the start of this episode. So, um, I don't. I, I'm reading this in a way that um, everybody seems to want. That, that I guess I guess some writers just want to leave their mark or want to tell their um their origin story for a character in this case it's 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 williamson and and the flash and um so here we have the flash meeting a future version of himself as has been pointed out by talking about the other issues and um and you know we meet the we meet snart who who's got the funky glasses because it it, it fucks with the cameras and uh, so that explains that, and you know, the things that maybe didn't need to be explained. But I mean, okay, we're going to throw that in now. Um, I thought there were some smart things, like he wanted to Barry had to make sure something covered his ears so he could hear when he's running. Um, the Wayne um, gave the fire department new outfits, so so he'll he'll make boots out of that to make sure that you know he'll he'll be able to to run without destroying his shoes. I think there were some things that were neat. I don't know if we needed a whole new year one story to, to tell them, but I also, I, I, I'm reading, so I'm reading this from the point of view where this is, this universe's flash's origin. This isn't a retelling of the flash that, I grew up reading, justifying it however I want to, but I, I just, because I didn't see the need, because we've already had, we had Johns tell Barry's origin again. We've, we've had, we've had countless retellings of not just The Flash, but Barry Allen specifically, his becoming of The Flash. And, and after a while, you just, you kind of get it's it, it 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 wears a little thin and i and and i i was i'm trying not to bring any baggage into it when i'm reading this the art is absolutely fantastic i i, I think porter is just i'm blown away by it i i love the way he just draws it it's I, like iris's t-shirt for example looking like you know a, a funky version of element lads outfit and it's just i just i i i like the way Porter draws people and their clothings just slightly out of time where it's it's kind of futuristic, but you could absolutely see it being worn today. Um, I like Barry's telling of the story. There are just there are things that I'm unfortunately carrying 
into it that that I'm probably not enjoying it as much as I could if I just like let things alone. But it, it's one of those things where I'm just I I don't know if we needed this. It reminds me of after um, everything was moving right along with with Green Lantern and, and the Sinestro Corps War, and then bang, we're gonna have uh, uh, the retelling of of Hal's origin for. Only so he can introduce the Black Hand as being part of that origin, so he can plant the seeds for Blackest Night, and and it just it brought everything to a screeching halt. And I I, I wasn't I'm not I wasn't current on the Flash. I would read things here and there, and I read I read parts of Flash War, and I read the Button back when it came out a year or two ago. So, you know, I, I I'm aware of of what Barry's doing, but I don't know if I don't know if I needed a an origin for Barry right now. And I, I read it because you're enjoying it so much. And I figured it's, it's a Barry Allen flash story. So how I can't lose really. I just don't know if, again, I don't know if I, and this is just me. If I needed another origin, but I love that you love it. I, I'm so glad I, I really, am. and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish this arc. I'm, I, I the, the cliffhanger got me. I, because I even went back to the double page spread to see maybe where it happened, and I think I did see where it happened. But I, I got to see if if Iris walks into the apartment, and I just I I gotta I gotta see where we're going with it. But I don't want to. Yeah, he's gonna learn that he has a uh, a healing factor. Oh sure. You know, yeah. <sighs> I, but I, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't. That's the thing. I didn't <laughs> want. I, I don't want to. I know. There's a heavy side. I, I don't. I. I know that Vince is enjoying it, and I don't. I. I don't want to. I don't want to waste any of that. I don't want. To, I don't want anything be deflated from that because it is. It's not just Flash, but it, it's a Barry Flash story, and Vince is enjoying it so much. So I don't want to lose that. That bit of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, as much as we were tagging on that, that wasn't my inner travels, even though, yes, I did read the three issues for you, Vince, for this week. Uh, so I'm just going to say real quick, um, I talked about the first issue a while ago. I read issues two and three um, from Aftershock. If you haven't given Orphan Age a try, um, I want to say that you should. Um, the The art is is more of in the cartoony vein. It's not a walk through hell at all. Uh we're still following the story of Daniel and Willa and Princess, who left Dallas Town to, um, and we're heading towards Albany because hopefully that's where they can be safe. Um, Shades of the Walking Dead. Um, they the second issue is probably my favorite because they stop at a mall to pick up some supplies and maybe barter with some people, um, people that you may not be able to trust. Uh, the third issue, the third issue introduces um, people who are kind of referred to as animals or beasts because when all the adults died and the kids were left, you had uh, you had some kids who were kind of just left on their own and small children who were raised by animals, so they didn't know any better, so they're more feral and. Um, Princess foolishly thinks that she can save one of them. Uh, so that's that may not go well for her. But I think uh, I, I think the story that um, that uh, Ted Anderson and uh, Nuno Platy are telling 
is 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 neat. It's again, it, if not necessarily something that you'd consider a novel idea, or brand new, but I think the uh, the take they're taking on it is uh, is pretty cool. And 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 I think Platinum as much as 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 uh, as cartoony as it is, and it 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 doesn't maybe feel like it fits the subject matter. But it kind of does because even though you may not, you, you may look at the art and consider that the story isn't all that heavy. Um, there is still a little bit of weight felt here, and uh, and I think they're doing a, a pretty solid job. So it's another aftershock book that I'm digging. But uh, yeah, Orphan Age. If uh, if you haven't, please uh, give it a shot. Respect. I've I've not read that yet. Um. Couple things. Quick shout out to Excellence Number Two. Nice. Drawn drawn by our buddy Kari Randolph. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Picks up uh, continues the arc as a just a as a refresher to people. It's a you know it's a world where there are seven magical families that have uh, basically held it down for in the society. Um, the magic wielders are all African American or black and. Uh, but they're not in power, so it's a bit of a Harry Potter meets social struggle story. And in the first issue, we're introduced to the family and the uh, young protagonist who uh, kind of ascends from Padawan to full Jedi in the issue. And it's clear he is all about bucking the system and challenging the status quo. In this issue, he goes even more down that road in a with a very harrowing turn and a cliffhanger. Um, but definitely pick that up if you uh, haven't done so yet. Um, in your travels, give a listen or a watch to um, cartoonist kayfabe. Um, for those of you who don't know what the word kayfabe means, it is a professional wrestling term, um, which basically means um, showing you what really happens. So, um, like breaking kayfabe is like when they kind of go off the script and you kind of see what actually is going on behind the scenes. This, um, this is a show that is, uh, it's, it's a podcast, but it's also a video pad. You can, you can listen to it as a podcast, the audio, uh, in the same way you can find our stuff, or you can watch it on YouTube, which is what I've been doing, um, because it's a video show and it is, uh, hosted by longtime friends and, uh, of the show, both uh, both been on the show before, Mr. Ed Pisker and Jim Rugg. And their Ed McMahon is often Mr. Tom Scholey. So it's sometimes it's three of them, sometimes just the two of them. But um, those dudes are longtime friends, and they are hardcore comic historian nerds like us. And their show has been a blast. It is a ton of fun. They talk about everything from old issues of Wizard Magazine to Miracle Man, to Swamp Thing, to you name it. Um, but it has been a lot of fun, and uh, I got a love for all those dudes, so check that out. And then, uh, finally, speaking of dudes that we love, Mr. Michelle Fifa. Um, all three issues are now out of G.I. Joe Sierra Muerte, and the trade comes out in August for you trade waiters. But G.I. Joe Sierra Muerte is a must-have on the shelf for G.I. Joe Marks. 
um, it's 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 listen. This is he's not breaking new ground here. This is this is Michelle's love letter to the Marvel GI Joe comic of our childhoods. He's rough. I think he's my age exactly, and uh, it's no surprise. It, this is um, it, it. You know, it would it would fit into if you had a collection of GI Joe reprint trades on your shelf. It could fit right in. In terms of chronology, it takes place on an island called Sierra Muerte, where uh, it's the new new Cobra stronghold. Um, a core group of Joes, including Rock and Roll and Roadblock and Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and Lady J and Duke and Hawk and Gung Ho and Stalker and I'm probably forgetting a few. Um, they uh, they fight the, the they fight Cobra mainly. It's mainly the Dreadnoks and Zartan and Zorana and Xandar and uh, uh, Cobra Commander and Baroness and Destro and Major Blood and let's see who am I forgetting but uh, it's just a fun story and the real allure of this is Michelle's art which I know we're all big fans of so it's another case of this awesome indie aesthetic paying pure loving homage to a 80's commercial property Um, just like Shirley did with with his GI Joe transformers and um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a blast. And um, I, I definitely think that for those of you that didn't buy the issues, the trade is, is a, a must check out when it comes out. Got to ask the shop to get the third issue. I have the first two. I didn't know the third was out. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, man. It's great. I'd love to get some of the art. I don't even know if he did this digitally or, or traditionally. I know he usually works traditionally, but it would be a blast to have one of these pages with the Joe's on it in his style. Well, you know those Joe collectors have probably bought the whole damn issues sight unseen. That's true. That's Fuckers. true. Robert Atkins is back on the Joe book, by the way. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Yeah, I just noticed that in the previews. Oh, I got to put my order in this weekend. Thanks for reminding me. Oh, and we have a shout-out, lest we forget. Yes, we do. Yes. Thank you Mr. And I hope I'm saying your name right. Uh, Mr. Atley, A-T-L-E, Peterson. Uh, who is our newest patron? So thank you so much, sir. Indeed, yeah, I have to update the uh, wall of appreciation. I'll do that this weekend. Yes. Oh, and one one final thing in terms of of listeners, um, haven't mentioned this in a while, but we do have the Facebook group, which is super active, uh, and I I love how active it is, and we spend try and spend a lot of time on there to interact with you folks. There's about a little less than two thousand members, give or take, so there's always something going on. Um, you can find it at Facebook slash groups slash 11 o'clock comics but I bring it up because to join the group it is a closed group you need to answer three questions they're very simple questions we don't need essays but you gotta answer the questions Um, I noticed I think there's 22 people now that uh, are not bots as far as I can tell they seem like real people and they have asked to join the group but they have not bothered to answer the questions and I don't need to be a dick but if we don't know you personally already And you don't answer the questions, you're you're not getting in. Yeah. So really honestly, like you don't have to. They're they're very simple. Like, what's your favorite comic? How long have you been listening? Uh, you can do one or two word answers as long as they're real. Just show us that you can. If listen, it's pretty simple logic. If you don't care enough to answer the three questions to get into the group, why would we assume that you're going to be a positive contributor to the group? So, love to you all, but the twenty two of you that are hanging out waiting 
to be accepted, you're not going to accept it unless you go back in and add some questions. Were they reminded to? I know we have the I always to... remind them, okay, yes. This cool. is post-reminder. Okay. I always remind everybody, Sweet. yes. Uh, shout out to your friend and mine, Mr. Rod Hedrick. I came home yesterday not only to my copy of Supple Dumps, but I also had a box waiting by the front door from Rod, who was kind enough to send me a print uh, from one of the Sunday strips of Foxtrot by Bill Hammond. And um, it is uh, Star Trek related. It is a Christmas time themed strip, but I want to thank him so very much for um, for sending that. I, I asked Rod if, um, if Bill had any um, art, original art at the show. He did not. He only had uh, the prints from the strips to sell, but and it looks like uh, when Rod did some research that Bill went digital exclusively in 2010, so I don't know um, if he has any old strips that he's selling, uh, but I um, shout out to our uh, comic strips episode. So I want to thank Rod big time for that. Um, shout out to real quick on the side uh, to Caleb. I am drinking tonight to Mr. Vernon C. White. And um, on a semi-related note, shout out to um, Allie and Minerva. That's just an aside. So that's all I got to say for tonight. And next week is the book of the month. Is it? Is it already? Well, it's it the 20th is, right now. So. Yes. Yes. So uh, Thursday the 27th, we'll be recording the book of the month, which is what, Vince? Saga of the Swamp Thing, Volume 1? You betcha. There you go. Alan Moore, Steve Bissett, John Totalbin, and company. It's a classic. I will be reading a We're couple of those issues for the first time. Nice. Nice. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again. Jason said it, the Facebook group. Get in there. The Instagram, the Twitter. The Patreon. Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. You got to come there because we love you and we want more of you. And uh, in the meantime, say goodnight. David. Oh, night. David. Excellent. I try. You Everybody make sure you wish Vince a good end to his vacation. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was fun, and I hope everybody else is uh, uh, having fun out there, and uh, you dudes know what to do. Do it. Bye, and have fun. Love you. <laughs> That's Call better. Me.